0: This sports social podcast is brought to you by BetVictor, where live streams, smart stats, and in-play betting can help you make your best bet yet. 18 plus, BeGambleAware.org.
1: NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away specifically the distance from you to your remote control.
0: NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Now to Hollins. Boyle. Chelsea have not been able to calm up many chances for themselves in
1: this match. Any at all now? Cook, a beautiful ball to Boyle.
0: Fellow Chelsea supporters, here at the Blue Day podcast, I am delighted to welcome this individual on the show today. He is a man who 50 years ago this month was part of the 1971 Cup Winners' Cup victory against Real Madrid. Plus, he made 266 appearances for the club, scoring 12 goals. He truly is an unsung hero at Chelsea Football Club. Here is John Boyle. John, welcome to the Blue Day podcast. How are you? Thank you very much, Keith. I'm doing very well. I'm enjoying myself. Superb. Hopefully, with the lockdown restrictions easing off as well, the country's starting to get back into the swing of things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. it's, it's been a strange old year, hasn't it, for everybody. It's been um, hard work and um, strange things have happened, but we're um, we're all here today
0: and that's what's important. Absolutely. I completely concur with that. John, we're going to start off by sort of talking about your career, from the early days all the way up to your sort of last appearance for Chelsea and obviously talking about current events. But I'd like to take all the way back to the beginning. And I've asked this question to a few other of my ex-guests. Who influenced you to become a professional footballer? Um, there wasn't any individual, but
1: where, where I come from in Scotland is, is, is a fantastic football area. Um, I come from a little place called Wishaw which is in, in a district called Lanarkshire. And it is probably in the 60s or early 60s, it was probably one of the greatest um, areas for footballers that, that, that played in that area. And I, I, I was lucky enough that I, I went to a great school, a um, ladies' high school in Motherwell. And um, former pupils a couple of years before me were Billy McNeil and Bobby Murdoch. Right. So, um, and they would won the European Cup with Celtic. And then also there was um, I, I played with some guys who were friends with Jimmy Johnson, um, and then people like Joe Baker, um, some yeah some great footballer Tommy Gemmel, who came from the same area as me. So the area I came from was just a great footballing area. We played from sort of out in the field in front of us um, from morning to night in the in the district where we lived, in, in out in the cow, cow field or um, in the front, yeah. So that's where it all started. And then I, then I, I, I joined, my school had a, a school team. I've got a great picture somewhere, but I'll, one day I'll get <laughs> it. But, uh, and uh, I was in an under-11 team. And um, I've been in touch with a couple of the guys lately through Facebook. It's been great. And we won, then I went to, to this good school um, and we won the Scottish Schools Under-14 Cup, which was a great achievement. And at the same time, I also played for, for an amateur team in, in my little town, and um, we also won the Scottish Under 16 Cup, and I was still under 15, in, um, in so which was another, I think, another great achievement then. But around about that time, I was just getting ready to leave school at 15, and I wasn't very bright. <laughs> I went to I, I passed my 11 plus, but I, I wasn't very bright when I went got to the secondary school. They had they had a, a a form one one a one b one c one d one e, and I um I went in in one d. Um, they also had a one f, but that I'll tell you about a sec. Uh, but one d was um was not very good, so I, I failed my exams. That like you said, you failed my exams, and I went to one f. So so I did one d one f, and then so what's called the repeat class. So I then went got to two d. And then I got to 2F. <laughs> so that was my four years at school, and I got Latin and French and everything. And um, but six months later, I was in the changing room for the rest of the world versus England. I was standing in the dressing room when they had Lev Yashin, Gelmo Santos, uh, Eusebio. And over in the corner, um, there was I heard a voice. I was the kid boy at Chelsea by then, and over in the corner I had a little voices shouting. Hey boys, get the kit here. And it was Dennis Law and Jim Baxter. And I looked around and it was wow. I mean, I was like in heaven, you know. So yeah. then but before then, what happened was that how how I ended up coming was that my uncle lived in Battersea, my mum's stepbrother. And he said he 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 was connected to some Tommy Doctor to a cousin or second step cousin or something. So he phoned up and asked when the trials were. And uh They said, oh, they're in July. So I'd left school in June and and we got the train down in July for the trials. And I I came over to Bridge with my boots. I walked in and they said, oh, yeah, we're going going to Hendon. So they took us over to Hendon to the training ground on Saturday morning. And uh, we played a game. And after the game, they said, yeah, we want you to stay. (laughs) So I had to phone my parents up in Scotland. My dad was working at the dog track. So I had to phone my parents up and say, you know, I'm staying in London. I'm going to come and stay in London. So then we went home and a couple of weeks later, we got tickets and stuff from Tommy Doherty. And that was me. That was yeah, when I was 15 and a half. My parents then put me on the train at Motherwell to London.
0: Great story. How was you feeling when it came down to signing that contract for Chelsea? When you was that particular age, knowing that you know your roots were in Scotland, and then you had this great opportunity to sign for Chelsea.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, to me, it was it was like the greatest adventure ever. I didn't realize how good it would turn out. But um, I mean, on the train, on the train journey, it was funny because I went in and they put me into a restaurant car, first class. And I sat down for for, for dinner and this, there was a serviette, there was a serviette, four forks, four, four knives, two big spoons. And, and then they handed me a, a menu. I mean, I hardly see a menu in my life. Um, I, and they looked at the menu and I wasn't a very good eater. And the um, I looked and it said soup and it was asparagus soup. And I thought, oh, I, I love that. My mum makes soup. I love that. And I came down, and to this day, when I smell the asparagus soup, I'm still sitting on the train. I ended up eating. The guy looked, just gave me the menu again said, you know, have what you like. And I, it, it said, apple pie, custard, and ice cream. So I said, can I have the three of them? He said, yeah, of course. So that day on the train down, I had three apple pie, custard, and ice creams, and a cheese sandwich. <laughs> then I arrived at Houston, and I got off the train, and there was the crew-headed Tommy Doherty waiting there for me. Brilliant. And so that was it. That's how it started, and uh, and then Tommy Dock became sort of like such a a person in my life. It was amazing. You know, he looked after me so so well. Man.
0: What was he like as a coach? Um, as a coach, I don't know he
1: was that great. As a, as a man manager, he was brilliant. Um, that's why I always think that him and and, and Dave Sexton sort of got on so well um, because because. I mean, if Tommy Dog had said to me when I was sort of like going into the team, like oh, "We've got you," sort knocked down that wall, I say, "Okay, when do we start?" Um, it was just that way. With, with I don't know if with everybody, but I know that, that with me, I was I would have done anything for the man It was just so good to me.
0: You made your debut for Chelsea in quite an important game. It was the League Cup first leg against Aston Villa. It was a game where you you actually scored. winning goal. I've just got a couple of questions in relation to this. When did you know that you'd be in the squad and what was going through your mind after scoring in your debut? Well, I'll tell you the the, the
1: story about about how my debut occurred. What happened was I I was playing in the reserves on Saturday at Fulham and then on the Monday I had uh, my one and only trial of recognition with Scott with the Scottish uh, youth team. I played a trial in Scotland on the Monday, so that was the Saturday I played in film. On the Monday, I played Tommy Doherty told me on the Monday or Tuesday I was going to Aston Villa, so I went to Aston Villa on the Wednesday and made my debut, and um, which was just I mean, not just amazing. I didn't have time to think, I'd been up to Scotland and back, and, and um, yeah, the game was great. After about 20 minutes, I tackled a guy, Barry Stober, and um, I injured him and he got carried off. So the crowd then booed me for the rest of the game. And it was it was great fun. I, I was really enjoying it. It was January and the, the ground was a bit icy, a bit muddy and it was just it was great fun. I just enjoyed it so much. Then there was about 15 minutes to go and I got the ball um 30, 25 yards out or something and rolled it forward and took a shot and it flew into the top corner of the net. <laughs> and it proved one thing I think in, in football you need skill luck and skill dedication and luck and that time that, that was my bit of luck it flew into the top corner of the night. and I remember Terry Venner was running up to me and saying to me oh John I'm really really pleased for you and I said oh great you know? <laughs> so that was it 3-2 so that's what happened then the next day on the way back to, to London Tommy Doctor said oh by the way you'll probably be playing at Leeds on Saturday." We were at the time top of the league, and we were second top. So, <laughs> I came home on the, on the Thursday and on the Friday, I then had to travel to Leeds to play against Leeds up at Leeds. So, just, those those three, sorry, go on. Yeah,
0: no, I was just I was just going to say, just for the purpose of the listeners, obviously we was talking about your debut. It was in January of 1965. There was the yeah. It, yeah 1965. The game against Villa was on the 20th. And the game you've just mentioned against Leeds was on the 23rd. So, massive yeah. week for you in, in 1965, wasn't it?
1: Well, yeah, but a week later, we then played West Ham in the Cup.
0: But that's played right. Against
1: Charlton. I played against Charlton, for, against Charlton in the Wednesday for the youth team. And then on the Saturday, we had to go to West Ham and play them in the Cup. They, they were already the Cup winners. And the thing, the great thing, I remember that was it was the day that Churchill got buried, the Churchill's funeral. So what we had to do, we had to have a police escort from Chelsea, Stamford Bridge, all the way down to West Ham, and we had to go through, all the way through Westminster, where all the crowds were. We we're on the coach. <laughs> I'm 18, and this is London, and and I'm on the coach, and and we've got six police outriders driving us all the way down to through. Westminster down the embankment to to West Ham where we beat the cup winners as well
0: wow in that game against West Ham I've, I've just I've just got the uh, team sheet up actually uh, John and you you played with some sort of iconic names of English football in regards to coaching and playing so I just want to sort of run off just a few you've got the likes of Terry Venables who, who you've mentioned George Graham as well what was George Graham hasn't been sort of mentioned too much on the, the podcast and in fact his name hasn't sort of been mentioned too much as in regards to Chelsea. What was George Graham like as a person and as a player?
1: You must have had the stories. Um, <laughs> George... <laughs> <laughs> actually, George and Terry took me, took me over to, to Tottenham Court Road when I was about 18 over to, um, I think it was a guy called Bill Martin or some of these record plays. They were just, they were great. They were wonderful to me. Then when I went on my first holiday, um, at 18, George said, come on, we'll go on holiday. And he took me on holiday. It was like going on holiday with James Bond. <laughs> 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 he, was, <laughs> he was the smoothest character I ever know. Every time I see him. Whenever I see him, I say he taught me everything I know off the field. Um yeah, he he was a great lad, George, and and, yeah, great. They were they were great lads, George and Terry, and great, great players and still are, yeah. Um and I remember when what happened is well when we went on our holiday, we actually ended up meeting Billy McNeil, Ian St John, and Paddy Crayon. Oh wow on our holiday. Yeah, yeah. So again, maybe in a Celtic supporter, I was again in heaven (laughs) sitting here drinking with with Billy McNeil and Paddy Craven. But uh, it was, yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, George was great. And uh, yeah, Terry, Terry was like superb. I just just remember when you said I was thinking about him, I remember going to Terry's wedding way back, and I remember thinking I bought him a duvet. (laughs) (laughs) It's the folk that counts. Yeah, of course, absolutely. No, they, were, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were unknown then. I think it was it was, it was a new thing.
0: <laughs> Did he say thank you afterwards? Though that's the main thing. Oh, of course. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a
1: little <laughs> story again about sort of um, what happened, and you know, when I tell it, yeah. So I I was driving when Terry got the job for the English FA. I was driving up by Paddington. And he, he was going down to the FA ward. and I remember pulling my car up and I jumped out of my car, parked on the yellow line, jumped out of my car right beside me, wondering what was happening. And I ran up to him and I said, Terry, I'm so pleased for you. And he went, John, what, what are you doing? And I said, do you know, I remember, I said, when I scored my first goal, I said, I said, you said to me I was really pleased. And I said, I'm really pleased for you. I said, but I said, I won't be cheering you on because you're an English manager when you play Scotland. And just that was it. And got in my car and I had to drive away. At least you returned the favour, though, all those um, years well, later.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Brilliant. A couple of months after your debut, um, Chelsea won the League Cup after beating Leicester over two legs. A great achievement by Chelsea at that time. They weren't a side that was renowned for winning trophies. Do you remember much about that cup final? Um, Not actually about the game, but I just remember that
1: at the time we were kind of, um, I think we were kind of going for three Mm. trophies, weren't we? Um, A lot of people forget it because we we were in the League Cup final. Chelsea were in the semi-final of the FA Cup. And we were second top of the league. Mm. And um, so therefore we were kind of, it was like game for game. I don't know. If you ever look at the the list of games that we had to play, I've, I've got it in the list somewhere, but the list of games that we had to play from, from from the game that I started, the list the amount of games we played to the end of the season. I don't know if you can count them up, but it was an amazing amount of games from mm. when I made my debut to the end of the season. There are quite a number of games actually, to be fair. Yes, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, so so it seemed to me at the time those times, same I think the following season as well, in sixty six, it seemed to me like we were in the late things of everything, the semifinals, and there was always lots of games being played. And um, yeah, it was, they were great seasons. I mean, and th- that was a great team. I mean, like when I came in, I mean, they were, I sort of came in with them. Um, I think there were three youngsters who, who came through sort of at the same time. And that was Aussie Jim of himself. Jim left a year sort of later, week and through that year. And, and, and as I say, that, that, that's why we got lots of chances as well, because the. There was lots of games.
0: A lot of the games, it was on a Saturday and then midweek, Saturday, midweek. So you, there was, as you say, quite a lot of games to go through. You mentioned Terry Venables earlier. He was the captain at the final. You've mentioned, obviously, what he was like as a person and off the field. On the field, for those that perhaps only remember him as the england manager and as top the manager or more of a football personality what was he like as a as a captain and overall leader of a dressing room
1: yeah yeah he was a great captain a great leader and, and there's a big fuss made about how he, how he tried to take over and stuff like that i don't think he ever ever told me how to play he never never dictated things he well there was too many people who could speak up um I never found that at all. I had people say him and Tommy Doherty crosswords. And I just don't think that Tommy Doherty fancied him as a player. Um, I think that Terry was a, a, a more of a skillful midfield player than, than sort of say like me, you know what I mean? Like sort of, and Tommy Docherty probably liked somebody like me who played, who was very similar to Tommy Doherty. Um, and I think that, that when, when I was talking about those games, um, we lost, a couple of semi-finals those times. I think um, Sheffield Wednesday and um, and Barcelona, um, and we lost at Liverpool as well in the league. And I remember thinking at the time that that was one of the reasons why Tommy Doherty didn't fancy Terry. And it's really strange, because I looked up how many trophies Terry won. Do you know how many he won? I don't on the top of my head, no. Two, two. Two. The 65 League Cup and the 67 Cup Final. <laughs> and that yeah. was
0: against Chelsea as well. Well, Of course, yeah, that's yes. what I'm saying. Yes. That,
1: that, that's, yes. um, it, it just interested me the other day when I, was, so I spoke about it and I was talking about it, I thought, oh, I'll just check, you
0: know. On... Yeah. I was going to ask this question later on, but as we're sort of on the topic of Terry Venables and Tommy Doherty. The the incident that I've sort of spoken to a couple of people about, Alan Hudson, I've spoken to oh, about, about it as well. In the bowling alley. The Blackpool incident in regards in to
1: In the bowling alley, wasn't it? In the bowling
0: alley. <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts on, on this? Because obviously afterwards it was in the it was a a lot was made about it in, in the press about Tommy Doherty falling out with these players, and then these players not playing for the club again. For those that maybe are not are not aware, have a look on YouTube or Google, for example. There will be, I think, there is still information on that. But John, at, at the time, obviously you was quite an integral part of the squad. What was your take on what happened and the aftermath that ensued? Well, it's
1: all kind of fairly fairly simple. They'd been out and it was. It was. Uh, there's an argument of what night it was, but they shouldn't have been out anyway. And they went out and they came back in and and the the, um, the night porter sort of said something to somebody, and They went to Tommy's. The funny story is Tom Tom tells his part of the story. Tommy's tells his part. Is that he said no, the boys are not out. And the porter said yeah, they were. And so the manager took them into the bedroom. And as they were in the bedroom, they looked, Johnny Hollins and George Beam were in bed. Tom said, look, they were in they were in bed. They pulled the covers back and they were still in their suits. <laughs> and shirts and ties. Um, whether Tom should have sent them all home, I don't think so. I think he should have kept it quiet, find them all, and got on with it. But um, and then it's sort of, I mean there's just so many funny stories because what happened was that as the lads were going back on the train, when they were sent home, they were going back on the train. And when they were coming into Houston, somebody, you know, the old trains, they pulled the window down and said, looked out and said, there must be somebody famous on the train. I said, why is that? They said, well, there's about 40 photographers waiting. <laughs> 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 so they all stepped off the train and suddenly they were the story. And uh, and they, 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 they were quoted as saying that they have been discussing tactics in the bowling alley. So it's always the bowling alley story. I mean. And I had the story later on, I, was quite, I can't remember parts of it, but I apparently I, I was sharing a room with Jim McCallion and we were both young, good, sensible Scottish lads. Um, we had an early night and we came down in the morning and, and um, there was nobody, nobody in, in the eating room. I thought, <laughs> what has happened? And Harry made us, you know, they've all been sent home. I <laughs> said, what? What for? No. Um, as I say, I, I just think it should have been quiet. I'm sure that there are other incidents that have happened at the club that have been kept quiet. Well, I know there are other incidents that happened at the club that have been kept quiet. Maybe one day over a drink, I'll
0: tell you about them. Um, I'll look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> John, you made your European debut for the club. It was a nil-nil draw with Roma. It was in the Fairs Cup, which um, was a competition that was around in the 60s and 70s. Describe to the listeners, for us, look, the feelings for you to play in Europe against the likes of against AC Milan and Barcelona. Again, what, what had
1: happened to us it shows when we were young, we, we went on, on, on our Easter tours every year, we two or three of them we went to. And it was great because you played against German teams. And I remember we actually played against Roma in the under-18s in in Cannes. We also played against Ajax as well, where Johan Cruyff was playing. So we kind of knew, I, I kind of knew a lot about, not a lot, but I knew that, that there were different kinds of players and they, they had superb skills and they all looked good. And uh, But, and so, yeah, so, so then going to play, I mean, and, uh, you know, sort of watch it on television, all these superstars like from Italy and it was great. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, just looking forward to it. It was great.
0: It must have been good for you to test yourself against, you know, top quality opposition, the likes of what Barcelona had to offer and the (laughs) Milan, you know, and yes, obviously in in those days, it didn't matter, of course, whether or not it was the Fairs Cup or a friendly. These were still great players playing against Chelsea that you wanted to beat.
1: Yeah, I kind of decided that after my second game at Leeds, I thought if I can come to Leeds and and play against them, um, I could go and play anywhere. Uh, so, so that was it I remember, as I say walked off the field and um yeah to, to I remember uh, we ended up um, playing against them. but when people say to me about who was the best player you ever played, we actually played uh, uh, in a friendly an AC milan Inter Milan select in it was a business week in in Milan a business week in London they kind of changed things over and so they asked us to go and play in Milan. And the forward line for Milan for that Milan team that day was uh, Jair from Brazil, Sandro Mazzola from Italy, Angelo Sormani, who was the most expensive player in Italy, Luis Saris from the Argentine, and Amarildo from Brazil. Um, so when people say about the best players, like that, that's. They're, and I, I don't really saying who's the best because they're all the best. They're, I mean, just uh, I it's. Um,
0: that's quite a good caliber of players t- to face all in one game. One game? It was, <laughs> yeah. It
1: just, it was
0: oh, yeah. And the
1: left back was um, was Fichetti of, of Milan. And they took him off and put uh, Schnellinger from Germany on, who, who was in the German World Cup team. And they took off Suarez and put on Rivera. And there's a story about Rivera. When we played Milan, Tommy Docherty said to me, he said, John, he said, well, what when you did that is Mark Rivera. <laughs> I said, Thanks very much, girl. <laughs> and he said, "But if ever he goes, he said, even if he goes to the toilet, he said, I want you to follow him there." <laughs> and uh, so that, that was my job for the evening was to mark Gianni
0: Rivera. Fantastic. Um, in 1967, sort of fast-forwarded just a little bit. Tommy Doherty left Chelsea, and Dave Stexton took permanent charge of the team. What were your thoughts on this decision, and did you believe at that time it was the right one?
1: Yeah, I didn't actually know Dave. Dave had been in jail. I was actually in the team when Dave was there. He'd left, I think, just I knew him of of just for being the reserves and stuff like that. But I didn't actually know him, know him at all. And um, so I kind of, um, I, I I knew it was good, and I, and I knew that, that it. it the guys were talking about and that's somebody that they wanted. Yeah. And I was, I was happy with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: In the 1969-1970 season, Chelsea finished third in the league and reached the FA Cup final. Unfortunately, you was unavailable for large parts of that particular season due to injury. How frustrating was this for you knowing that, with Chelsea performing well and having some great players, the likes of Hausman, Osgood, Hudson, etc., what were your thoughts on uh, this particular period of your career? Well, like like anybody's career,
1: when you're injured, it's 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 the old feeling of um, of, of what can you do, what 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 can you do, and, and you just think to yourself, you okay, just just keep going and trying your hardest and, and. and knowing that every day... And, and, and it's not as if you're going to work hard somewhere. You're still going into training and doing stuff and, and all that. So you just have to take that with you. Again, as I said to the beginning, it's skill, dedication and luck. And um, I think it all happens. Well, luck, yeah, most people.
0: You came back from injury the next season, which we will sort of talk about quite in depth. How determined was you by this point, to keep your place in the side, knowing that Chelsea were doing very well in both league and cup? Well, I was
1: never really determined to, to keep my place. It was something that, that that I did from the very beginning. I just went out and I tried my hardest. And If that wasn't good enough, there's not a lot more I could do about it. Um, that was all I never, ever thought. And that was one of the good things because it, it didn't ever matter where I played. I, mean, I don't know if you've got my list of... of positions and what numbers I wore. You was and quite it versatile. Never ever, <laughs> it never ever bothered me. You know, somebody <laughs> said, what number did you wear? And I said, it didn't matter. I said, as long as I had a shirt, it was important, not the number. And um, so, yeah, no, I never, ever thought I'll try harder. I, I mean, I had a cartilage operation when I was 16, I think, and I, I came back in about six weeks. I think at the time it was probably the fastest of all.
0: That same season, Chelsea participated in the Cup Winners' Cup tournament. What was Stamford Bridge like to play in, especially at European nights when we were playing the likes of Club Bruges and Manchester City in the later rounds of that competition? Well, again, for, for me, it was it was um, some, something that I'd seen before.
1: I mean, the, the, the night we played Milan at Chelsea was, was phenomenal. They were they, they were great. So to me, I was already looking forward to that because the whole atmosphere it becomes a whole different atmosphere um, at the stadium. So, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, how can you not want to play? Um, you, you, it's just something you love, love to look forward to.
0: Do you think that experience for you, as you say, when you played in the Fair's Cup, do you think that helped you personally with this particular competition, knowing that they were players for Chelsea that hasn't played in Europe before? Well, well, I, I don't, didn't, know, I think, talk too much
1: about them. I just thought that, that, that myself, <laughs> I've been there, I, I know sort of kind of what to expect and, and, and sort of things that happen in the game and things you should and shouldn't do. Um, and obviously you, you passed that on to, to whoever hadn't been there before, you know, and just sort of, Told them sort of simple things, you know, what you know, to take your time when you're winning and kind of, and don't don't go too near the crowd when the ball is out of
0: play. The semi-finals against Man- Manchester City, we won the first leg one nil for a goal by Derek Smedhurst, which not many people before we sort of covered this particular era remember. Do you have any Derek Smedhurst stories that you you can share with us? Um, <laughs> I don't. Uh, no, um. Yeah, no, I love Smith, He's
1: great. I I absolutely adore him. He um. He's great. Um, well, I don't, he's, he's told you the story, hasn't he, when he came to Scotland? Because um, after after the European- he mentioned the holiday. Yes. Yeah. He 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 was he was going to stay in London, and and I said to him, "Come to come to stay with me in Scotland." And we went to Scotland, and um, there's a local team, and we 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 said that. Oh, let's let's go and play for the local team. And we had to play another team, and we didn't tell them that we had we had a, they had a couple of ringers till sort of three quarters of the way through the game, and uh, we finally told them Derek had scored about six goals or something, and they were looking thinking that they were playing against Pelly because he was old-timed as well. But he, uh, <laughs> but we had a good laugh about it, and it was great. Yeah, now it was great fun for it was nice for it was nice for us, great for him to sort of. To come, come to Scotland and we still laugh about it now and he used to wear he used to wear his Jesus sandals and they hadn't been seen in wish or ever so uh, it's the quickest I've ever seen him I think we came out of the pub one night and I see him running and he was the quickest he ever run in his 100 yards in his sandals but good lad
0: good lad in regards to the final itself after beating Manchester City we was up against Real Madrid in regards to the game itself, what was sort of going through your mind from a personal point, knowing that this was a European Cup Winners' Cup final against arguably the best team in, in the world at that point in, in Real Madrid? Just sort of describe to the listeners, if you can, at that particular period, you know your thoughts about that particular Real Madrid side and what your thoughts were in regards to the chances of beating Real Madrid. Well, up to last week, I thought Real Madrid were
1: always the best team in the world. But when they played Chelsea this year, they weren't nowhere near it. (laughs) Um, No, um, my Real Madrid story goes way back to to 1961, I think it was, when they played the European Cup final at Hampden Park. And they beat Eintracht Frankfurt 7-3. And it was the greatest football game that's ever been played in Scotland. And the forward line that day for, for Real Madrid was Canario, Del Sol, Di Stefano, Puskis, and Gento. And after the game, my mates and I ran out into our little cow field and nothing. And I think I was Del Sol, and my mate was uh, Puskis, but he had a good left foot, and somebody else was the left wing, so he was Gento. And that was us. We were Real Madrid. We'd forgotten Celtic Rangers, Motherwell, Hearts. We were now Real Madrid. Um, and fourteen years later, to, to sort of be going to Athens and and, and standing opposite me is this <laughs> number eleven Gento was just bonkers, complete and utter like crazy stuff.
0: You did play in both games. The first game, unfortunately, went to uh, a draw. Had to, had to go to a replay. Just want to sort of get your perspective on sort of the Chelsea side at that point in the final. What was the mood like in the dressing room, do you remember? And what was there a lot of nerves going into it or was there more confidence knowing after the first leg, sorry, first first game, be drawing against Real Madrid that the second game we can end up being victorious?
1: Oh yeah, but we also felt that before the first game I mean we weren't no. we, we weren't afraid well I was I, I just always felt that we that we were capable of playing anybody. I, I, it's one of the things I because I we went to Liverpool and won and Old Trafford and won and sort of all stuff like that so it didn't really that part didn't bother me and again then the second game we thought well they didn't beat us so we're going for it again isn't it uh, uh, and I must have played so well that they didn't play again in the second game he came on as a sub <laughs> So, so you've got to know the story when he came on as a sub, don't you? You know the story, now? No, I don't know the well, story. When he came, when he came on as a sub, that he, he he came on and, and when he got to the pitch, he realised he had his watch on his wrist. So my mate Alan Adsen tells the story. He said that it's a and suddenly the ball was played to him, and he got, got the ball, and he started running down the wing, and I started chasing him, and he stopped, took his watch off, <laughs> threw it. To threw it to the touch line and kept going and I still hadn't caught him up. And he was 38 at the time.
0: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you must have been quite, based on that story, you must have been quite relieved at the final whistle when Chelsea ended up winning the game through goals by John Dempsey and Peter Osgood. Yeah,
1: obviously obviously Aussie, Aussie was a great goal wasn't it i mean he, he he did them all his life but um but um John canton dempsey was um was the greatest volley I've ever seen um, yeah he was, uh, that was just wonderful for somebody like John to, to do that in the european Cup final is, is one got some lovely stories about it as well John He's but lovely lad great great with so much admiration from what he did after when he finished playing football. He, he he became a carer for people. A lovely, lovely man. And so pleased for him.
0: Yes, we had John on the show sort of quite recently and he was telling us some great stories about this particular era and again sort of talking about the great characters in, in the Chelsea side that became great friends off and on the pitch. Yeah,
1: well, well, yeah, well, obviously, and it, it kind of depended where you lived as well. I mean, but I am, um, yeah, I was, I was committed with the Aussie and stuff like that, but then I had gone to America as well. And then, um, yeah, it's lovely. I mean, it was lovely. I spoke to Charlie the other day. I spoke to Tommy Baldwin. Nice to talk to him, you know.
0: It's good. Of course. Looking back with this particular achievement of winning the Cup Winners' Cup with Chelsea, where does this rank in your list of accomplishments as a pro footballer?
1: Oh, yeah, obviously, obviously, it's, it's the best, the best, it's best ever been. I'm just grateful that, that I was lucky enough to, to have done any of it. You know, I'm just, I'm a lucky young man that, that, that turned left and something happened. And, and, and it's great that sort of 50 years or 60 years later, we're still talking about it.
0: Yes, of course. John just wanted to fast forward if I can to 1972. Um Chelsea released the single Blue is the colour which is still being played at Stamford Bridge to this day all these years later. What were your memories of being part of the squad for the recording? Yeah yeah it
1: was it a was great fun a great day it was um, and when we went on we went on to the top of the pops when they recorded White City. And um we all went over to the White City and they, they, in the morning and um, then they said, to us, Well, what, what clothes are you wearing? And we said, Well, just what we're wearing. And they said, Oh, no, you all need to wear the same. We said, so they went, sent out and they, they brought back 16, I don't remember, of Valdinigan, 16 Valdinegan sweaters. And they were like pale blue, I think. It was crazy. So they put us up on stage and said, Well, you don't have to sing, but you have to mind, you have to look like you're um, singing. So um, we all stood up there and it was like a cat's choir. Yeah! <laughs> so Eddie McCready, the guy said, Well, what's going to say? I said to Eddie, Eddie said to him, Mate, he said, There's a fair said, go and get four Crystal Lager, three bottles of oil, because he said, and a case of Cokes. And uh, so that was it. So we had a session lunchtime. And went back in the afternoon and they couldn't get them off the mic. There's all out there, they're like Frank Sinatra, mate, up the front singing their heads off. But a great day out, you know, it was great fun.
0: Brilliant. It's great that Chelsea sort of still recognise the efforts of that particular side and also having that particular tune being played. And it it must feel quite special for you as well to sort of to be part of that knowing. Again, as you say, all these, all these years later and Chelsea fans, young and old, are singing it to this day.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's funny. But, but when, you, when you tell people you were on top of the Pops and they say, oh, yeah, what for? And you go, blue is the colour. And they go, oh, no.
0: <laughs> well, it could be worse it could be a lot worse Um, a year later in 1973 we're sort of going through sort of like the dark period of Chelsea, Chelsea's fortunes begin to change, league campaigns quite a bit of a downer, it's very inconsistent, there's issues between Dave Sexton and Peter Osgood, Alan Hudson isn't happy, there's issues in regards to the money that has been not spent on the first team but has been spent in redeveloping the ground. Why do you personally think Chelsea were going through this difficult period in being in the dressing room at that at that time? Um I
1: it's probably a lot, it's probably too long a story to even get into, but I <laughs> I think that that our pre-season training from for seven one seventy two I think it was. Yeah, it wasn't the best pre scene, and we had just we all thought we were European champions and we thought we were probably the greatest. And, and I, yeah, I I, I, well, I I, just believe that most of the players should take you know, look at themselves, you know, why things happened. It wasn't, I don't know that it was depicted particularly blame one person or two people, but I think the players have got something to answer for, and I think they had probably problem with players as well, and on who the kind of players that they had they ended up with a lot of players i think that were similar to each other you know like like Stevie Kemba lovely fella but you know there was john Hollands, alan Madsen, myself why would you need Stevie Kemba or even keith well you charlie cook and stuff like that and i tend to think that there's and that kind of just crowded the situation you know um, because we had kind of players instead of I don't know. Maybe I I can't kind of think of it, if they've been out and bought sort of a really really good player. Who, but it didn't to me. It didn't seem to happen. And then obviously people got transferred out as well, which which was probably part of the whole thing. And then there was the the, the money from the. I didn't know too much about that because I wasn't really. I was, I mean I left in seventy three, so it was kind of a strange season for me as well. But um, that's where I kind of believe it. They kind of started was, um, we went on a pre-season tour and it wasn't the greatest fitness sort of week that we ever had.
0: So That's when, in, in your eyes, the will started to come off just a little bit. Chelsea were doing so well, 1970 win the FA Cup, 71 you win the Cup Winners' Cup and then all of a sudden it just creeps in a little bit of doubt and a little bit of issues here, here and there.
1: Well, yeah, if you, if you let your, 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 your percentage drop then, and if a few people do that, then that happens. Yeah, I, that, that to me, and you, know, you can't, each time you win something, you've got to think again, we're going to try harder again. Um, and I don't know that, that we all did that.
0: I would like to discuss your departure from the club. Um, at first, you went on loan to Brighton for a couple of months before leaving for good for Leyton Orient. How did these moves come about? And in your eyes, was there a case of needing a new challenge? What What were the reasons for you to leave Chelsea?
1: Well, the, the, the bit about um, um going to Brighton on loan was, was quite good. I didn't mind. I, I trained at Chelsea and went to Brighton the weekend. And fun. there's a funny incident happened in that inning. Um, So, so um, that's how you said it. So that was good. And, and George... Uh, Dave Sexton knew the guy at um, at Brighton, and Dave lived there, so, so yeah, that was okay to, to get me try and get me. Fit. I don't know whether it was his idea, but whatever. But I was okay for that. And what actually happened was, that when I was there, Brian Clough and Peter Taylor came. <laughs> so um, that that must so have we, been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that I, I may have played. Well, I don't know if I played. I don't even think I played two games and he was there something like that and I went back but what what the thing I, I loved was was that um, so all the guys at Brighton I used to be around on this Friday night and stay and play on Saturday and this weekend uh, the, all the players were told to go down to the hotel they were staying there on the Friday night and we were all sitting at a table about five o'clock in the afternoon waiting on it was like the last supper we all were all around this big square table with the players sitting down and suddenly they walk in Brian Clough and Peter Taylor and everybody's looking thinking, well, what's going to happen? I was I was kind of okay because I was I was only there for another couple of weeks I was leaving, so I wasn't too bad. But um, he walked up and the waiter was with him. He brought the waiter with him and he looked at the guy sitting at the first, I can't remember who it was, I wish I did. He said to this guy, he said, uh, in his accent, I can't even do that. Uh, what is it you drink, son? And he said, well, no, he said, I don't really drink. He said, no, what, come on. He said, what do you drink when you go out to the pub? And the guy said, a pint of lager. And Cloughy looked at him and said, son, he said, when you go out to the pub, he said, and you drink pints, people think you're a drinker. He said, waiter, bring them two half pints of lager, please. Then <laughs> another time, I think one a little guy called Tony Towner went out and played really well, What worked his, worked his socks off. And he came into the dressing room and Clough was in He shouted at him to sit where he was. And the kid kind of panicked. And he said, bend over. And he leaned down Clough and pulled his shirt off his back and said, if you go and play like
0: that every week, he said, I'll end up taking your boots off as well. Very interesting character was Mr Absolutely. Clough. Very interesting character. Was there any sort of part of you that felt that you wanted to stay at Chelsea? Or was it the, for you the right time to leave?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, then when I came back, um, George said that uh, Dave said to me that, um, that uh, George Petsu, like was yeah. interested in me at uh, uh, Orient. And a big part was, obviously I knew then that he didn't want me. And uh, a big part of it was that I lived in, in London, or in North Kent. So it was okay for me to go there as well. I was probably quite confused, to be honest. I wasn't really sure of what, what should happen, you know, because I, I was already sort of qualified in coaching as well. Um, and I went there and it was a bit of a disaster, to be honest. I mean, they missed going up by one point, but they had a chairman there that wasn't a very nice man. So that's all I'll say
0: about that. <laughs> that's fair enough. That's absolutely fine. Um, great to discuss about your career. I just want to sort of talk about current events as well if, if I can John um, and one part of football at this moment in time is VAR so just want to sort of get your thoughts on VAR if, if I can and obviously whether you believe it's still uh, a good thing for football or not
1: um, the, 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 I, I just I don't know how I go on with this. It. really really my my thoughts are that to me if any part of a player's body is onside then he's onside. Doesn't matter which part of his, his body he is, but if that that part of his body is onside, then he's on side. Simple. But, and to me, this you know the game's about scoring goals, isn't it? Not about sort of something. Admit ruled offside by a fraction, but if you, any part of your body is on side, then then it goes it goes that way.
0: Do you believe uh, with that sentiment that? People are are overcomplicating things in regards to the rules with VAR and making it too much of a fuss that it should be.
1: Oh well, well no, I think I think people are, people are doubting because they haven't got it right. The whole thing about not sort of putting the flag up. I mean, now people. I mean, I went to a game last year and I jumped up and cheered when they scored, and, and I see people around. And I thought, why are they not jumping up? And, <laughs> and then suddenly it's not a goal. I mean, the. Uh, Obviously, if there lines a the big flag up, we all know it's it's offside. You know? They're lined and dodgy, but we'll, we'll let them suffer with that. He um, I've always said it. See, when I played, the, the referees were the most honest people on the field. Every football would cheat, but the referee didn't. Why would he cheat? And, and they were different characters, you know. I mean, like referees in my time were, were brilliant. I remember once when Billy Bremner and I were, we had a row, of a handbag job up at Leeds, and, you know, do they want to fight I will do this and the referee went to Booker's and as he went to Booker's Billy looked at me and he said ref he said we're just two daft jocks, aren't we John and I said of course we have Bill." shook hands with him and the ref went are you sure and we went yeah, yeah we're ok ref and put his book back in his pocket and carried on so.
0: now that would not happen now <laughs> absolutely not that would not happen now you'd both been booked and it just it would just be be sort of brought forward to the FA and yeah I think <laughs> as you say it would just completely go OTT o- oh, I wouldn't, wouldn't have as you say it wouldn't
1: have happened another yeah. time I think one was yeah yeah it
0: was, um... would you get rid of it or would you persevere with it um, well, well
1: what, what it really needs is, is a couple of sensible footballers to go and sit down at wherever it is, and um, with the referee, and let the footballers who have played the game uh, explain to them then so what what their feelings about it you know, doesn't take a lot, you know. Obviously, you know, if you, but if you see when you're talking about sort of inches, you've got to give the benefit to me. You've got to give the benefit to the striker, to the guy who's attacking. That's what the game's about. That's all. Give the benefit to him, if, if, um, but but have a, have a proper footballer with a referee uh, sort of sitting beside him, explaining sort of, you know, the, the how he's tried to tackle, you know, the the, the intensity. Most footballers can tell when you're watching the game whether it's intentional or not. Um, yeah, I've done it myself. I watched a bit and I think oh, that was intentional. The, the the who was the guy in the first first game of the season? I think he got a young lad came on. And his is wasn't intentional, but it looked dreadful and like it looked like it would been, he would rail but to me I thought no he didn't he didn't mean to, to, to go over the top So yeah, so that that's probably what they
0: need. In regards to especially this season and VAR, it's been one very interesting season for Chelsea. Of course, as we're recording, it's to the build up of the Champions League final against Manchester City. But the Premier League season has finished. And it's been a pretty much of a roller coaster season for Chelsea. The fact that Lampard left midway through, with Tuchel um, taking over, Chelsea losing in the FA Cup final against Leicester. John, just sort of quickly, what what are your thoughts on Chelsea, especially this season?
1: Yeah, obviously, it's been it's been, it's been a, a really strange season. Um, I I had actually so. Sort of, I bought into the the fact of Frank and um, I thought that he, he he was going to do it he was going to get the time to do it and it would have been all the young kids coming along from the youth team and uh, and I just don't think he got enough time um, but that's it and um, and and I, uh, I actually believe that um, I said some the other day I think um, the, the the manager to do, now he's, he's he's quite lucky. I think we'll find out how good he is next season. Um, I think, and obviously, if he's if he's good, then then Chelsea, Chelsea Chelsea. I mean, he's got he's got everything there for him, and people talk about. So what players need to come in, what players need to go out. I mean, as far as I can see, he's got he's got a whole squad there, and that's. I mean, obviously they can do it. It's whether whether you can get inside their heads I think and that's where, where Frank is concerned as well a lot of the players that are there today should be looking in the mirror and thinking you know why why didn't we do this when Frank was here mm. um, because I see the effort now is is gone up by uh, quite a big percentage on, on the whole team of of effort and that's what they, and um, yeah well um I think but I think um, yeah it'd be great obviously you want to win the European Cup next week yeah um, and then you'll see I think then it will take another year to decide how how good the manager is and he's you know, it's great, you know to me you, you deal your cards, mate. You've got this is the cards you've got, you've got to play them.
0: Absolutely. John, just final question f- from me for this interview. How do you look back on your Chelsea career?
1: I look back on it, and um, well, I don't look back on it indoors. I've probably got a rollerkin now for sitting here talking about it for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I <know that. laughs> no, I, I must I, I, enjoy, I enjoy being on Facebook and talking. But I, I see, I, to me, there are fans have got more stories than as many stories as I have. I mean, I love listening to some of the great Chelsea way back and the tales that they have to tell. And I love meeting up with them and seeing them. And, and yeah, they've been some great stories. They're bigger legends than we are, mate. I mean, and they've spent all their money on them. They've, they've done everything. They've followed the club all over the country. I mean, they went to was that played back? They got a game and and clubs are not looking after them. Was mm-hmm. it back who they played the final Who a
0: few years ago? Yes, yes.
1: Yeah, and in, in, in a country where you can't, you're not even going to be able to get there. Like, I I find that in, that to me is one of the yeah to me the the, the just tremendous Chelsea fans. They've always been great to me. Always have been. And I know why it is, and I know a lot of people kind of say I'll oh, forget me. I'll say what was the chip? say when did you play? And I'll say in the sixties. What's your name? <laughs> and will say who did you play with? And I laugh, and I, I, I can sort of do it. So I remember. But 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 real Chelsea fans who were there, um, they know what I think about them, and I know what they think about me. I mean, they know that I've always given a hundred percent for whatever, and, and they have always given me. Um, Great. I, I don't, can I tell you one quick story about? Peter yes, Ozzie. of
0: course you can. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> it's just the last one because um, way back when the the crowd used to um, give everybody a clap and they came out. I don't know if you remember that, but they start off with them um, they gave gave uh, start off with Peter bernetti and go through. Then it would be Aussie and then Charlie, and so all the good ones. And so that's when you came out 10 minutes to go. And one day, Peter Houseman and I were out there standing and we were laughing. And I we said, Do you think we've got a long applause today? Because we were always last <laughs> or 10 to 11. That's what it was just in 10 to 11 to get through the morning. And it them all. and, um, and as, it, as it was getting closer and closer, and the referee was just about to start of the game, I said to Peter, hang on, Peter, he said, Ref, I said, Peter, hold it off for another two minutes till we get a round of applause. <laughs> so yeah so it never I mean people always say things like oh you were underage and stuff like that but, but on the field and we knew what how good Peter Hudson was and they knew uh, what we did they all everyone knew what each other did as I say that the, the bricklayers appreciated the labourers
0: that is a very good way of looking at it absolutely John I've thoroughly enjoyed having you on the podcast. It has been, it's been a long time coming, but I'm finally <laughs> very, very pleased to have you on the show. I've absolutely enjoyed listening to your stories. And, you know, again, hopefully once this COVID's over, we'll definitely hopefully see you down at the bridge again one day and it'll be a good way to enjoy the football again.
1: Well, it'll be, a, it'll be a, I've got some good ones to tell you, but that'll be to be over a, a wee dram of whisky. <laughs> Keith, lovely talking to you too, mate. <laughs>
0: John, absolute pleasure. All the best.
1: You take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: billion is just a number, but not when we use it for our community benefits plan. It can be used to help deliver the promise of an education. We'll empower young entrepreneurs through the creation of the Howard University and PNC National Center for Entrepreneurship. And uplift small businesses with access to the capital they need in order to grow. It's not just about dollars, it's about change. PNC.